everybody. I'm Christine Porch. I'm Alan Combs. And today's theme is beautiful questions because apparently I ask beautiful questions. It's ac- true. According to our guest. We are going to talk to a nurse today who is an emergency department nurse um, from a rural area in Pennsylvania uh, about an hour uh, hour and a half from Scranton. Scranton, what? The electricity? I- they call it that because of the electricity. <laughs> I knew there was going to be an office. I, I totally just... Like softball that yeah, to just you. gently Lobbed shared it. it. It was you know what it was a beautiful question. It was a beautiful question. So we're you know we tried like when we started this podcast we've tried to really focus on um, populations and locations and shelters and places that maybe aren't getting the attention that that um, other places are. And so um, we were really interested in chatting with Ruthie. Her name is Ruthie Hopkins because Ruthie um, is not only in a rural part of a state but she is specifically in a in a the hospital department besides perhaps after the person's admitted that is really truly the front line right of healthcare for the disease meaning most folks are presenting to an er um who who have covid so she has actually been working with covid patients and on a covid unit and so we are eager to let you hear what she has to say about her experiences and kind of how she's been coping and how healthcare workers are, are managing right now so we're looking forward to that let's hunker down SipTequila.com is a curated collection of high-end tequilas that can be shipped directly to your door. From crystal clear Blanco tequilas to older tequilas aged for six years in red wine barrels, SipTequila.com has something for everyone, novices and aficionados alike. Their white glove delivery service gets the bottles to you safely and securely with their very cute lids wherever you are in the United States. When your bottle arrives, follow along with their tasting notes and education for the full agave experience. Shop, ship, and sip with SipTequila.com. Mention that you heard this on our podcast with code SHELTER, S-H-E-L-T-E-R, and you'll get free shipping. SipTequila.com. Welcome back to Shelter in Place. We are on the line with Ruthie Hepkins, who is a nurse in Pennsylvania. Ruthie, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, uh, where you're sheltering, and who you're sheltering with? Yes, absolutely. So yeah, my name is Ruthie, and I work in northern Pennsylvania, and I live totally alone, and I came out here as a travel nurse back in October. So I've been here about seven months, and normally with a travel nurse assignment, I move around every three months, but I really liked where I was working. I totally loved where I was living, so I've been sheltering, sheltering alone up here in what was an Airbnb, but I legitimately just spoke with my landlord yesterday, and he's going to keep me here. So I, this is my new apartment now. Wow, that's awesome. Well, that's cool. So you're in Pennsylvania, yeah. which is where you grew up, correct? Correct. Now, I've lived all over Pennsylvania. It confuses everyone. No one knows where I live because I move around so much <laughs> with travel nursing. But I like to stay local because I want to be in the Northeast, closer to family and friends. So I grew up outside of Philadelphia, and then I went to school two hours west from Philly near Harrisburg, so I ended up getting my first job out there. I was there for about three or four years, and then I started travel nursing, and I've been a nurse for seven years total, and um, between Philadelphia, Harrisburg, and now northern PEA, these are like my little homes, like a triangle of homes. (laughs) So you, you, you said you've been sheltering alone, which, you know, we're going to have to get you a pet or something, Ruthie. I mean. I know. I want one so bad. <laughs> well, now you're not going to be traveling so much. You can get one. Exactly. I like the way you're thinking. I, right. Yeah. 
I definitely want a cat or a dog. I mean, a dog might be a little bit much because I've never had one before and I would be all alone and still having to work, but I would love to have a cat. So, Ruth, you were saying that you are a, a, you're sort of, you've been a traveling nurse, but you're sort of staying in one place. What, what kind of nursing, what kind of work are you involved in in the place where you are right now? Sure, yeah. So I work in the emergency department. Um, over my tenure as a nurse, I've worked in different places in the hospital, but ER has been uh, where I am the most and usually I have the most needs. So I came out here to work in the ER. So we see COVID patients and we also have a COVID unit that after they admitted, they would go to that unit. But we see a mix of like COVID and non-COVID. So we're really at a place where like we need to be very vigilant of our uh, PPE use and like how we're donning and doffing the equipment because we're working with both populations at the same time. PPE being protective equipment. Correct. Yeah. So when did you first hear about COVID? Like, would you remember like what, what, how did you hear or how did you find out and what preparations do you remember? Cause you were, you were still at the beginning of March, February, March, you mm-hmm. were where you are now, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it was mid-March. And that's a great question because I don't remember exactly where um, where I was because for weeks we had been hearing about it being in China and then Italy and then all over the world. And then it was, it was right here in our backyard. Um, I remember like things just starting to cancel all of a sudden. And um, I went to my friend's house during that week because um, we were scheduled to have a party. But we couldn't have it, but we were like washing our hands, <laughs> like, you know, not sure what to do because it was so early, but like staying far away from each other, but like not basically not knowing, you know, what's next or what to do. And then it turned into all of this. Well, what were your concerns? I mean, what were your fears at that point? Like as a nurse, you know, did you have concerns mm-hmm. about the healthcare system or, you know, your particular hospital's um capacities Mm -hmm. or other hospitals even that you had been at because you've been all over the country right yeah I haven't um yeah traveled too far away from Pennsylvania in recent years but yeah I work in a really small rural hospital so uh we don't have like as much resources as other hospitals that I've worked at um however with that said our volume has been a little bit lower so like when COVID hit and everyone was um, told to stay home, like our volume just dropped. So we got a lot less people coming in. Um, so it was actually less busy, although the people that were there were pretty sick because they absolutely needed to be there. Um, other people were just staying home or seeing their doctors on um, like a teledoc sort of visit. Other people were doing what I've told my children and my husband, which is nobody injured themselves. <laughs> Right, <laughs> do you not yeah. want to go to the hospital. Nobody injured themselves. Right, but do you have do you have like sort of any stories of? I mean, it sounds like it seems like one of the stories that's emerged over this is that there are people who normally maybe should be going to the hospital, but they're so afraid to go near a hospital mm-hmm. that they stay home, and that ends up being what actually makes them sick is from something else, but because they're 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 avoiding the hospital. Are you are you all finding there that, that you're finding people who maybe should have come in earlier, but they they kind of wait until the last minute and then then they're in trouble or or if, if it, I guess in, in your context, maybe maybe the, the volume has been low enough that that hasn't been as true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good question. I actually feel like I think people don't know when to come in or when yeah. to worry. And I think people have been coming in because people are like, 
I really didn't want to come here, but I just have this concern and of all different sorts of things, things that are relatively minor, but they were concerned and, you know, needed the answers and didn't know what to do or things that were a little bit bigger. And they're like, I'm sorry that I'm here. I'm like, no, you need <laughs> it's good for you to come. So you're in a rural part of the, you're in a rural part of Pennsylvania. Um, but what has what has been sort of like the most challenging part of this for you treating uh, patients who present with mm-hmm. COVID symptoms? Yeah, I'm, I see a bit of a mix. Some people are just so appreciative and every little thing, you know, they've been so kind and supportive um, to like us as staff. Um, however, some people, they're just in such extreme fear and anxiety and, uh, that gets rippled out into the staff in negative ways sometimes too. So I see a a mix, but I think my gravest concern was our protective equipment, the PPE. Like that was a hot topic in the beginning because we, uh, normally we would have access to every type of mask, you know, an infinite amount, not a worry. All of a sudden we're being told that the N95 masks, which are high level of protection before going to like a, positive air purifier like whole system scarf thing but like as far as our um, our plain masks the n95s we were being told to put them in a paper bag and use them for up to eight hours of work so if you use it for three hours during that day because you saw patients or you were in the room for a total of three hours for the day you would put it in a paper bag and then bring it in the next day and use it again and that's just Completely opposite that, of what we were taught yeah, in there. That is like, bananas. Of how to doff, like how to properly doff contaminated um, disposable items. So that was like, and we all knew it. And our, our higher ups were telling us like, this, we're just receiving information from the CDC and everything's changing so quickly. And this is what it is today. And it was is definitely that because... like every day the world will just, were different. <laughs> Is that because they were trying to conserve masks that were you maybe had on hand, but they didn't want you using them because they didn't know how long the pandemic would last or how long the spike would oh, last? And, exactly. Exactly. Yikes. So we're in this sticky situation where we need to protect ourselves, but also how do we do that over the long run, over the long term, because we're in pandemic mode. This isn't like a normal sort of situation. This isn't an epidemic. This isn't an endemic. Like this is a pandemic. So we have to operate a little or shift our how we operate things a little bit differently like a disaster like disaster deals that we did in nursing school the way we triage and sort where patients go is just our entire flow is different when we're in pandemic mode which was mostly um march and april um may thankfully things are kind of dying down and i haven't had um a covid positive patient in a couple weeks and our unit is actually closed the last time I went into work a few days ago, um, they just didn't have any patients on the unit. So that was really good news. And what is the population where you are? Like, how rural is it? Like, is it, is it like 25,000 people or is it like 250,000 people? Like what, Um, what, like what city are you, what cities are you near? Situate us geographically. An hour northeast of Scranton and I'm five minutes from the New York border where I live. Like I could drive just a few miles um, more northeast, and I'll hit the New York border. So that's not New York City. It's like more like state New York, but um, there's really not that much, like, um, location-wise that's near. It's more smaller towns. So I live next to a farm. So there's cows out here and um, 
Yeah, just cows, I think. Uh, Do you feel like sort of the the spread outness of the rural areas kind of kind of helped keep it from spiking quite as much in your area? Exactly. I think I'm pretty fortunate that um, the people that we do get are people from New York and even New Jersey. People come two and a half hours uh, because they think that we don't have it over here. So they come for treatment or even this is the type of place where it's like it's like a secret hideout because people come here from New York City that are burnt out from the city and have vacation homes out here just to relax in the country. So we definitely have this atmosphere and culture of like relaxing out in the country. We have a lot of population. It's the type of place where in the summer our population will triple and quadruple because of tourism. And so it's a really beautiful area just out in the farm like rural country for people who are sick of the city that's kind of and then there's a small very small population of people who actually live here i imagine that um pennsylvania is starting to reopen like virginia and other states are do you guys what instruction are you receiving what are you guys hearing about what to expect in the next few months uh relative to Mm -hmm. those the incidents of covid in your area Mm. Yeah, I feel like everyone has a, a different opinion, like depending on which doctor you talk to, which nurse. But from what we receive in our our, our incessant emails and memos, um, I don't think any projections. But I have heard talk of people thinking that it'll last into months. But uh, personally, I mean, from what I'm seeing, there is a major drop off in the past two weeks. Um, and the fact that our COVID unit isn't even open to me, that speaks volumes. So we do not have anyone who needs to be admitted to the hospital uh, with COVID. So a lot of the cases are um, like more self-limiting, like sore throats and people can stay home. So um, thankfully there's people that have been able, able to make it or people that have been admitted and have gone home, um, thankfully. So well, I anticipate it keeps going, but hopefully we can just care for the people that are the sickest. Yeah, well, from your lips to God's ears. So, you know, you mentioned anxiety, um, the anxiety of some of these patients that are presenting and how that's kind of one of the most challenging things. From a nursing perspective, um, how how are you guys handling the fact that that anxiety kind of gets spread around the staff? Like what, how are they, how are you guys caring for yourselves, right? In the middle of, in the middle of all this? Yeah, that's a beautiful question. I have been, um, so when it comes to nursing and especially ER nursing, there's a certain level of like attachment that you don't want to have, of course, or else you just be back all the time. So I've been kind of like detaching myself a little bit more and spending more, um, as much time alone as I can just to like recoup and like take some deep breaths and go move slowly and, um, not talk so much because, uh, yeah, people, especially in the ER, I mean, they're afraid, they're in pain. So that combination can uh, exhibit some inflammatory emotional reactions from people, um, not intending to be harmful to the staff, but when it's repetitive and you're in there every day dealing with it, um, it can get, it can wear on you. So, but we're all in it together and we work like a team and like a family as staff. So, I feel like just by having people that are going through the same thing with you, um, having that level of understanding and support. Plus, we have so much, like, Thanksgiving to us. There's, like, free food every single day. People are giving so much. Um, there's even people outside at 7 a.m. clapping and with signs. Like, so, I know. I want somebody to stand outside stuff. my office and clap with signs when I come to work. That'd be great. <laughs> 
They even had little kids with pom-poms the other day. I'm like, oh, my goodness. So we've talked about sort of where you're physically sheltering um, in terms of your apartment that you're living in now. Uh, but one question we like to ask all of our guests is, is where are you finding shelter personally during this time? So that you know that can take any shape or form that you need it to. But but where are you experiencing shelter during this time of displacement? Hmm. Yeah. So I live alone. So being more isolated, spending less time around you know the immunocompromised and family and people has me focus on different projects. So I'm starting a garden and just tending to my plants and just slowing down a little bit and allows me to see the beauty and what can be created in the still places that um, we have no option other than to experience right now. So taking advantage of that and also just knowing that if this is where I'm meant to be right now in life, then this is where I'm meant to be. I definitely feel like I'm being held and there's a divine plan for my life. So just falling into trust and surrender. And I've faith in um, that there is a greater plan beyond what I can see from my limited perspective as one human being and relying on that um, that trust in someone who is can see past, present, future, can see everything, can hold everything together in all, its, um, all of God, what I would call God is um, omnipotent and omnipresent and all-knowing, omniscient. So, Alan's very, Alan's very pleased right now because we always find our way to this in the podcast. Like somehow somebody. <laughs> it's almost as if there is a divine purpose. In the yeah. World. <laughs> oh, there's a divine purpose in this podcast. <laughs> yes. Also that too. So. And we thought it's we were just passing true. time. It was birth. It's so while we were, true what? and relevant to me. So I have to say what, what did what did Joey say? I mean, the per- podcast was birth over what, what did Joey, Joey call Oh, God's chosen chicken. Because we were eating Chick Chick Fil A when we when we came up with this, so uh, you know the the Lord was truly in it. I feel God in this chilies. Well, I mean, in all seriousness, Ruthie, like I do appreciate that because we've the, one of the mm-hmm. constant themes on every single podcast, you know, really irrespective of who we've spoken to, has been that there is so much uncertainty in this, uh, you know, in this season, right? Um, right illness. Right. Um, and recovery, but there's so much there's so much uncertainty about how long things will last. When will, you know, business X reopen? What impact does that have on smaller communities? You know, there's mm. so much so much anxiety that there has to, it's almost a question we have to ask, which is where are you basically sheltering yourself from that persistent and constant angst? Because it's definitely mm-hmm. there. I mean, and it doesn't matter whether you're a nurse or, you know, mm-hmm. a restaurateur or whatever, you you experience it, you know, maybe differently, but you're still experiencing it. But I think mm-hmm. I think like the longer it goes on too, there's a sense in which like I think when it first happened, when you Christine, when you and I talked about it, you know, there was that sense of people have a you get a clear sense of what to do in the emergency and the hurricane or whatever, you get you get sort of a clear purpose and it and some people almost get a high off of that. And so we, you know, that was what we felt when this started. And now this is this is different than that now. It's a prolonged sort of mm-hmm. journey of well, it's sort of crap right now, but you know, it, it, it in certain ways, trying to figure out how to how to go on each day becomes part of the question now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we how were, to go on each day when we're so uncertain of what it's even going to look like? 
Yeah, right. And I mean, I think that it would be interesting to come back and chat with you again in like a month or two and see kind of how things mm. are just because even if it's not in the context of this podcast, because it's so it's it is to me, I think that it, they always talk about you guys being on the front lines, right? And it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you're in a rural community or in New York. I mean, any place could have um, mm. an explosion of disease, right? Of various types. Right. But, but the fact is, is that you guys have to experience that much more tangibly than the rest of us. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, cause I, I was thinking about that actually this morning. Cause you know, my oldest was like, I have a sore throat. I'm like, Where's the no! thermometer? Right. Great. And of course it's awesome. just post nasal drip and it's allergies. But it's my point is that, that for a little tiny yeah. split second, you know, you do kind of put yourself in the shoes of those families that are, that are struggling with this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it's, I can't imagine having to, to work with that population every single day and being able to emotionally detach so much that it did not affect you, right? Like it still seems like mm-hmm. you couldn't emotionally detach enough, right? When you're dealing with a patient with that level of anxiety, um, which has clearly been like one of the biggest symptoms of this, not a symptom of the disease, but there has been wow, this like yeah. latent anxiety that is persistent about the disease right. when it's contracted mm-hmm. and people who've talked about it, whether it was healthcare workers or patients have been very clear that, you know, anxiety is as real as the, the throat mm-hmm. soreness and the, in the inflamed lungs. Oh my right? gosh, you are hitting the nail on the head. Kristen, I totally resonate with that. I feel like that's what I'm more concerned about. And I see like, it's the anxiety. It's all the fear associated with, you know, am I going to get it? Or if I do, or, um, I feel like, yeah, that also bears, um, like, fighting against <laughs> as another disease, you know? Um, yeah. I've had workers make purpose because I've had so much history with anxiety and I've overcome it in certain ways. I mean, it's something I'm always, you know, working with and finding what works, but that's something I feel so passionate about and I would love to, I could talk about that for so long, um, about how to, yeah, how to stay calm through the storm. Um, or feel whatever it is you're feeling and not block it out because you can't always, you know, just shift the way that you're feeling because if you feel that way, then you're neglecting the way you feel, which makes you feel even more like down and low because it's not being acknowledged. So just acknowledging it, feeling it, going through it without, you know, too much fear because, you know, it's up and down. (laughs) It's every morning, like things will change eventually. But in this moment, this is what I feel. And like, owning that but also being fluid enough to move through the emotions as they change and not like getting stuck like you don't have to be that way forever so it's it's definitely a balance and something that takes practice but uh yeah I think you totally hit the nail on the head because that is a huge thing associated with it so as you know I know um because of my relationship with your sister that you have family in South Africa and Jamaica your Mm -hmm. your mom is South African immigrated to the yeah. U.S. Your dad is Jamaican, immigrated to the U.S. How is your family in South Africa and Jamaica, how are they faring with, with the fact that, I mean, this truly is a global disease? Mm. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's been taking a toll on everyone all over the globe. In one way, it is something that we can connect on. So my cousin's in South Africa is one who's my age, and I've actually been in contact with her more over the past two months than ever before in my life. Um, because of this and it's actually made us a lot closer so um, but she is you know dealing with her own anxiety and stress and 
the family as well with not being able to work and just not knowing what the future holds. But but in lieu of that, it did give us something that we and actually we ended up doing a 21 day meditation together, and she loved it. I shared it with Aww. her, and we were able to relax into Christ's love again. Um, and just relinquish our fear and like stand tall and stand firm together in peace and love and unity and everything that, <laughs> that we believe in and want to stand for in this lifetime. Well, we appreciate your thoughts on that stuff, Ruthie. Um, one thing we always ask all of our guests is one of the things we want this podcast to do is highlight um, a ways to help people. And so one question we always ask our guests is to highlight a nonprofit that is near and dear to your heart. Do you have a, a nonprofit in mind that you want us to promote as part of this episode? Wow, that's a beautiful opportunity. Thank you. Yes, I would. There is a nonprofit called Ashokan Equestrian Center. They um, help pair disabled veteran horses um, that facilities have no longer used for. They pair these horses with autistic children. So it's equine therapy. So they use equine therapy to both um, pair the autistic children and the horses uh, with a partner and it's healing for both. So it's mutually beneficial it's like a symbiotic relationship and i think it's so beautiful and furthermore it was started by my aunt and uncle in upstate new york and they have the horses so this is someone that i know personally so i can trust supporting this mission it's such a beautiful mission as they have an autistic uh grandchild themselves so uh, oh my goodness that i didn't know that ruthie yeah 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 you didn't know that no so, you know, yeah. we have some, some of our clients, you know, I, we haven't chatted about this on the podcast yet, but like you, you, your sister is my law partner. So basically some of our clients have used equestrian therapies and it's such an interesting mm. science to that. Wow. It is, isn't it? It's so fascinating. It's such a beautiful thing to be able to give to somebody. Okay, so Ruthie, we always like to ask our guest to contribute a song to our Shelter in Playlist, which is on Spotify. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your song that is either, you know, it can be your rallying cry, it can be a song that's relevant to kind of what you do, it can be anything. What, what What's your addition? This is the most beautiful question ever. I love music and it's been such therapy for me. So there's a song called Remember Ja by Sap Song. And the chorus just goes, love all, serve all, and remember Ja, which I translate to God, um, or oh, God that's himself, beautiful. You know, our culture, ethnicity, the traditions. Um, it's all the same God. So I, that helps me to just focus on my purpose, which is serving others. And honestly, it's my pleasure to do it. People say thank you for working on the front lines, and I feel like this is just what I'm here to do. Like on one level, it's just like, I, I feel so honored to be able to be a part of it and to be able to serve and help in some sort of hopefully meaningful way. And my prayer before um, my shifts is to touch every every hand that I touch in a meaningful way um, that shows Christ's unconditional love in my heart um, and spreading that through my eyes, through my contacts, even though <laughs> uh, my right. hands contact, I mean, but uh, even though we have masks on now and I can't smile, but just finding ways to spread that love. Well, that's beautiful. So, Remember Ja by Satsang, is that how you say it? Correct, 
Yeah, S-A-T-S-A-N-G. Ruthie, we want to uh, say thank you again for taking time at our schedule to be with us and to, to tell us a little bit about what it's like for you and your experience this time. Um, thanks for all you've shared with us. Uh, everyone, make sure that you uh, go ahead and check out uh, the uh, Ashoka Equestrian Center that uh, Ruthie lifted up to donate to that as a nonprofit. And uh, don't forget to look at our Shelter and Playlist to hear all the songs uh, that we have selected on our episode today. Ruthie, thanks again for being with us. Thank you so much. It was an absolute pleasure. I loved it. So uh, we heard from Ruthie for her Shelter and Playlist song. Christine, what is your Shelter and Playlist pick for this week? My Shelter and Playlist pick is The Promise by Sturgill Simpson. It's a very like encouraging song, like, you know, it's one of those I'll be there for you songs. Yeah, I don't think I'm familiar with that song. So you, if to... you heard it, you would be. You think so? It's actually been played at our house several times. Oh, okay. We have a bunch of Sturgill Simpson albums, so, and I'm, I know well, it's... Once it's on the shelter playlist, I'm sure I'll get, get of familiar with it. Cause I actually, I don't know. I mean, do you, I don't know if you, you enjoyed it. I listen to the playlist a lot, actually, like it, as it grows each week, it gets to be better and better. And so I actually, you know, every couple of days we'll put it on because, you know, I don't, do you, <laughs> I just like, I don't listen to the episode after he says that. <laughs> You know, you know, Christine. We count how many people listen. If you would listen, it'd be more than seven people who listened. Uh, you know, if you also oh, listened, it's, it's fourteen. It's, damn it, it's, it's fourteen people, Alan. It's per device. But you know, this. You know, what is your song? What's your uh, okay? Song? My 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 pick for this week is "And It's Spread" by the uh, Avett Brothers. Um, I, I chose it because one, I mean, it's sort of the title sounds a little pandemic-y um, in terms of "And It's Spread," but the song itself is really more about. Um, sort of fear and anxiety spreading in, in a person than it is um, about actual illness. And I think that kind of went with this week's episode where, you know, part of what we're talking about with Ruthie is the experience of, of caring for people in these sort of dangerous situations and sort of um, her reflections on the shelter and dealing with the anxiety and, and feeling the feelings you're feeling and all that kind of stuff. So those are our picks for the shelter and playlist. If you have your own selections for the shelter and playlist, we encourage you to send them to us. Uh, you can get in contact with us on social media. You can also just go to our website, which is soulgroupmedia.com. It's S O U L G R O U P M E D I A.com. I'm so uh, glad we, you didn't mess that up this time. Yeah. Well, it's, you it's know, a private joke. Normally a, he spells soul media listen, group. Listen, <laughs> it is a heavy responsibility. <laughs> to spell that website every week. It is, because so, I so, can do it. It's just about as much as trying to say esthetician. Uh, <laughs> Last week, yeah. <laughs> yeah so, esthetician. So, uh, but anyways, but we do want to hear from you. We want to add uh, your songs to our shelter and playlist, so please send them to us. Um, as always, we are grateful for you listening, and we will see you next week. We hope you'll join us next time. Shelter in Place is an original podcast of Soul Group Media. It's produced by Joey Porch of Liquor Sickle Productions. The theme song was written and performed by Joey and Zella Porch. If you would like to find out more about the podcast and Soul Group Media, you can visit our website, soulgroupmedia.com. That's S-O-U-L-G-R-O-U-P-M-E-D-I-A.com. Or find us on social media. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating and review. It helps others to find the podcast and hunker down with us. Music.